My prayer is the last part of the call to worship from earlier in the worship service today. Let us pray. Lord, hear this prayer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Today, entitled the lesson, Words of Shame or Praise. Are you aware that you have a great power at your disposal? We all have access to a tool that can achieve wonderful good, but also do terrible damage and even cause destruction. It's simple to use, as most of us have mastered this tool at an early age, and it is vital part of our functioning body. It's mostly not visible, but its impacts can be heard near and far. I'm sure you're not surprised to learn it is your tongue, as Dave read about its power from James 3 this morning. From one's mouth, one can spew out evil so quickly and cruelly, and yet also with one's mouth we can dispense things like truth, love, and peace. Isn't it surprising that this same instrument can do opposite and very polarizing things, good and evil? We should not be too surprised, really, as we have at our disposal many things that can be used for good and evil. This can include our televisions, our friendships and other relationships, our guns, food, our work, and even our retirement, and most other things we own. Take electricity, for example. I know my wife gets a little excited and nervous when I do work on electrical projects at home. The 12-volt stuff is okay, but the 110 or 220, not so good. Is this shocking to know? Electricity has been controlled to flow through our community carefully and to be used for many beneficial purposes. We all enjoy its benefits and engage it for cooking, heating, lighting, and cooling, maybe not this past week with the low temperatures, and now even to power vehicles to travel very far. Amazing, isn't it? What happens with electricity when it is not harnessed or used properly? It becomes a fearful power that can shock, it can burn, it can kill. It's the same with many things that I mentioned earlier and more. It is the same way with our tongues, as we must carefully and thoughtfully harness the potential energy of our mouth and its words and use it for God's glory and the love of our neighbors. Today in the sermon, we will deal with the potential energy we have from our mouth, that it can be used for shame or praise. We will look at the shame it can cause, but hopefully also see the praise it can dispense. Praise for our God and Savior, and also for our neighbors. We learned that small things can have large impacts. In our Bible text today, we learned about items that are small, but that can have large, life-changing effects. We learned about the bit that guides the horse and the rider, a small rudder or tiller that that can control or steer a ship. We learned about the small tongue that can be boastful and have a destructive force and power. We read verses 5 and 6 of James chapter 3 today. There it reads, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set ablaze by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and itself 
set on fire by hell. This is a strong language to receive, isn't it? We are told that a small spark can start a fire, even a forest fire. We know these impacts of forest fires in BC over the last few years, and now those raging fires in Australia. Keep in mind that trivial, bad, or good things can have impressive impacts. We all know how difficult it can be to how difficult it can be to be a preacher, a parent or a grandparent, a professor, a police officer or teacher to consider just a few callings or professions. Maybe I should have added army chaplains to that list for Pastor Steve. Your tongue and your mind has to be working properly to perform well in in these and many other callings. Imagine the difficulty of being a substitute teacher and how difficult it would be to supervise an other teacher's class for only a short period of time. I'm sure most of us do not remember the story of Albert Thompson, a substitute teacher in Chicago way back in 1994, actually in the previous century now. The fourth grade teacher, or the fourth grade class, was in chaos, and Albert Thompson tried to bring order back. One vindictive young student had other plans, Angry about the discipline being dealt out, she made up a story that this teacher had molested her and then bribed ten other students with small amounts of money to tell the principal that same story. The children, unaware of the impending mayhem that this would inflict, repeated the lie, and teacher Thompson was immediately suspended. An investigation uncovered the cruel plot with the girl confessing and the teacher being cleared of all the charges. Teacher Thompson was guilty until proven innocent and was still considered guilty by some parents even after his proven innocence. They protested to the school board by still wanting to press charges as they could not accept the wrong their children had done. Albert Thompson's dream of becoming a teacher were shattered by one calculated lie and his reputation was soiled and tarnished unjustly by a little children's slanderous tongue that resulted in a forest fire, never to teach again. Remember, we read, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. In this sermon, I'm going to go to Proverbs quite often, so even though it wasn't part of the readings for today. So in Proverbs 14, verse 25, we read, A truthful witness saves lives, and Thompson's life would have been saved if there had been truthful witness and no lies. Let's talk a little bit about being a truthful witness. Let us consider being a witness to the community, the world, or even at times in the courtroom as some have been called to court to perform jury duty. The role of the juror is important because it requires an unbiased opinion that is critical to the accused receiving a fair trial. In biblical times, there was a basic court system at the gates of the city. This was a place where legal cases could be heard. We read about it in Joshua 20, and especially in verse 4, when people ended up at the city gate at the city of refuge. We also see it in action in the book of Ruth as Boaz proposes to marry Ruth as her 
second in line kinsman redeemer in front of ten elders at the city gate when number one kinsman redeemer does not want that responsibility. At the city gate in Israel, and as well as in our world and our court systems, the ninth commandment comes into play. It reads, Thou shalt not bear false witness. This commandment can be found in the book of Exodus, chapter 20. This commandment forbids speaking falsely in any matter, lying or fudging or any planning activities to deceive. This also includes not speaking unjustly against our neighbor to ruin his or her character. In the courtroom, if justice has to occur, then the words of the witness need to be unbiased and true. The words of the witness need to be 100% truthful, not only at the trial, but always. Most of us are familiar with the words and the saying, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, because these words, when spoken, have the impact of being someone being guilty or innocent, and even at times having the power of life and death. Of course, this does not always happen, as we have seen substantial number of people convicted of major crimes and having been released from the Canadian prison system in the last few years. Names like James Driscoll and David Milgard and Stephen Truscott, just to name a few. In David Milgard's case, witnesses lied, some for money, and he spent 30 years in prison for a crime he did not commit. Stephen Truscott was in jail for 50 years for rape and murder before the conviction was declared a miscarriage of justice, and he was acquitted. Remember, a truthful witness saves lives. The book of Proverbs has a lot to say about our tongue, our mouth, and even our words that are spoken as we are told by James. In Proverbs 12:18, the words of reckless of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And then in verse 22, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. We know that lying against God started with Satan in paradise and has continued with mankind. And that is one thing that people continue to do well. In John 8:44, we read Jesus saying that some of us are, or some are not children of Abraham, but children of the devil. There we read, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. We have talked about slander not being a true witness. One can also have an evil tongue. Remember that you should not do to others what you wouldn't want done to oneself. Do not gossip, embarrass, or reveal flaws of others. One needs also to know that you can condemn a sin of speech without saying a word. When someone says something like this, I am sure you wouldn't want to hear what I think of so-and-so. All that person has to do after that is to roll one's eyes, sneer a bit, maybe even raise an eyebrow and curl some lip in disgust. If that doesn't display a harsh opinion of a person, a meeting, or an event being alluded to more strongly than descriptive words, let me know. What about the tongue being used for humiliating or stealing someone's knowledge? Humiliating someone in public often results in a person's reputation being assassinated. Some even call this a form of murder. 
This can be done, for example, by circulating a document that is poorly written with the aim of focusing the attention on the mistakes and not the content, thereby causing disgrace. And then there's the stealing of someone's knowledge, which can be done by fooling someone to have a mistaken assumption, a belief or impression, or perhaps an item being sold that is not true. This can be by selling an item without mentioning that it has a defect. Another way of stealing someone's knowledge is what retail places often do. The price is jacked up temporarily and then put on sale with markdowns to make you believe that you are receiving a bargain. We know that the tongue has no bones, but it is strong enough to break a heart and other things. So we have to be careful with our words. We know from reading James that with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of that same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be so. So let us guard our mouths. Guarding our mouth. We need to remember that as Christian people who are serving a God of truth, we must realize that God does not approve of verbal abuse and verbal manipulation. How many times a day do our actual words not match our intentions? Hopefully not many. Hopefully not any. We do need to give second and perhaps even third thoughts about the little ways we are deceptive if we want to be God's people of integrity. We need to practice Pilates for the tongue at all times. If you don't know what Pilates is, Pilates is that exercise that emphasizes proper body posture, alignment, developing a core strength, and muscle balance. What does this entail? It entails guarding your mouth, developing a wise tongue, providing healing and timely words, and dispensing words of grace. We need to be reminded that when our mouth is guarded, it is better prepared to bring benefits to others. Solomon in Proverbs 13.3 states, that whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He opens wide his mouth, comes to ruin. We also need an intelligent tongue. In Proverbs 15.1, Solomon says to us, A soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. Consider oneself in a situation where someone is worked up and very annoyed at someone, maybe in our church or family member, and you happen to be the person that got into their sights, and you get the full fury of their barrel. I have experienced that, and it's hard not to lash back when at the receiving end and not show Christ-like love that is necessary to quell this. Remember that spark that can cause a forest fire. It needs to be doused to prevent that fire. James must have read Solomon's Proverbs as, he, as it states there in Proverbs, that for the lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisperer, the quarreling ceases. What wisdom is that? We need to provide soothing words. In Proverbs, we also learned that anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but good words make him glad. Don't you want to be glad? We all probably know from past experiences that kind or moving words at the appropriate time, can be very benefiting to a person in need. Perhaps you've been at a meeting or having an intense discussion or perhaps an argument when someone speaks words of truth that are helpful and right, just meant for you. 
I know from personal experience, and I've heard it often from others, that at times when we listen to a sermon or read God's word, that applies directly to the listener or the reader. Do you consider these as God-given words that offer comfort and strength, and even at times offer correction to the listener? We need to speak an appropriate word. It's not, is it not satisfying that at times we're able to help someone through the words we speak? Proverbs 15:23 reads, A person finds joy in giving an apt reply, and how good is a timely word. We have all been with people that are in difficult situations in life, hard times like death, sickness, or accidents. It's not easy to know what to say in that moment of need. It's so much easier after we've had a lot of time to think and digest a response, but then it's often too late. The right word at the right time can bring great benefit. Words and actions of support can be done anytime. We can encourage, we can give counsel, we can sing together, we can pray for each other and build each other up. I'm sure you can come up with other inspirations that are helpful. And finally, we need words of grace. In our dealings today with James's passage, the power of the tongue and the words spoken, we need to consider how Jesus spoke, looking at the gospel, looking at Jesus' gospel and his ministry provided to us through the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where we learn and observe that he spoke appropriately at all times and in all situations. Even when slandered and falsely accused, he spoke with kindness, compassion, and truth. The gracious words we have received from Christ can change us for the better. So what do we have in conclusion? We have learned today that God, with our mouth and tongue, has given us a tool of great potential to do good or evil. So we have to be careful when we speak. Before we go home, let me remind you that we also read the last eight verses from Psalm 119 today as part of the worship service. Especially the verses, the first little section. The first part of this small section addresses the sanctified tongue, a tongue free of sin, which is the spoken life of the believer. These verses show that a Christian's life is made up of prayer, praise, and sharing of God's word or or the gospel. Everyone talks about something, and the words we speak reveal who we really are. May the words that come out of that mouth be God-honoring. There's always that danger that we will not listen to that voice of truth we receive from God's word and through the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let God the Spirit bless the words we speak so that we can be wise and uplifting to the glory of God. I came across an interesting question about our everyday chit-chat the other day, which I will leave with you. If you recorded yourself for 24 hours, or perhaps even several days, what would one hear? What are the things you talk about throughout the day, or even after a meaningful worship service? I would like to close with three verses of a recent 
2012 hymn. I didn't realize it was that recent until I did some more research. It's entitled, O Lord, May All We Say and Do by Carolyn Winfrey Gillette. It reads, O Lord, may all we do and say, sorry, let's start over. O Lord, may all we say and do reflect the faith we have in you. For faith is meant to change the way we live our lives from day to day. Just as a spark can start a fire, our words can damage or inspire. We pray for wisdom from above to speak and act in gentle love. May we not covet earthly things or seek the riches this world brings. May we not boast of all our plans, for, Lord, our lives are in your hands. For, Lord, our lives are in your hands. Amen. So be it.